0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So this is the third week we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've been talking about His relationship with us, who He is, what Jesus said He would do, and all of that. And uh, tonight we're going to... Tonight we're going to start talking about the, I want to start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And I think we'll talk about that tonight and probably, well, almost certainly again, I don't think we'll even get to actually talking about the gifts themselves <laughs> tonight. I have a couple things to preface it with. Uh, but I, I want to start talking about this because I think for a lot of us, this is where this is something we're really all most of us trying to grow in. We're trying to um we're trying to be more sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. We understand that he's here to do the same things that Jesus did and to do those things through us. We've looked at you know, the last couple of weeks we've looked at all these verses where Jesus talked about sending the Holy Spirit in his place and who he would be to us. And I think for all of us, uh, we feel like this is the place where, you know, this, this whole thing of moving in the gifts of the Spirit, letting the power of God not only work on the inside of you, but flow out to other people. And seeing him move and change people's lives and heal people's bodies and all of that. We're trying to grow in that. And I do think it's a growing process in learning how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to what he's doing, to how he moves, to how you hear him and, 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 you know, know what he, how he's directing you. I mean, I think that's probably for the rest of our lives, it's a, that's a growing process. So I don't want to, I'd say all that just to say, I don't really want to hurry through this section. And so we're just going to get into this and go wherever we go. And we'll definitely have some time um, at the end <clears throat> for questions I will leave time tonight for questions or comments or discussion. And also, I think I say this to you every week, if there are things you have wondered about and you would like to know, I can't promise I can answer all your questions, but I'd like to try. So if there are things you would like to know on this subject, then, you know, write. A, it's it helps me if you write them down or email them to me or text them to me or do something like that. Uh, because if you just come up and ask me, then I'll probably forget, but otherwise uh, we'd we'd like to address those things. So we're just going to start here. Uh, there are a number of things the Bible has a lot to say about this. Um, so I want to start by just talking about the fact that it's really clear in the scripture that Jesus intended for every believer to have this experience with the Holy Spirit. Not all believers do, not even not a lot of people. It depends on, you know, what kind of, if you grew up in any type of church, some of you didn't, some of you did, uh, different church backgrounds, there, there's a segment of the body of Christ that just doesn't deal with this issue. They just don't talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit moving, and all of that being for today. Some actually believe that it passed away with the last apostle. Some, uh, you know, there are all kinds of beliefs out there. But if you were to just simply read your Bible without any, Uh, being talked out of it you could never really come to that conclusion I mean it's very clear and again we spent a lot of time talking through these uh, versus the, the one that the only one I wanted to bring back from the last couple of weeks was John seven thirty eight, where Jesus said, he who believes in me, okay, so that's all believers, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then it goes on to say he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he told the disciples, and we looked at those verses in Acts chapter 1, he's sending them out into the world and he told them, don't go anywhere, wait here, wait in Jerusalem for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in a few days, you'll receive power when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so there's no question that that was for all of them. We're also going to see later as we start to look at the, some of the verses. We're not going to do an in depth study on, we're going to go through the gifts. We're going to talk, about, I mean, we're not going to study all of these chapters, but if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that whole chunk is on the gifts of the Spirit and how they work and what they are, how they flow. There's a lot of directive there about how they would flow in, in a church service. Uh, Paul gives a lot of instruction on that there. But if you look at that, when it starts talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it uses this this phrase, every man. uh, He gives unto every man. And, And that phrase from the Greek language just means, it means every man. It means every believer. And so this is for everybody. It's for all of us. And it's something that God has given to all of us. And we see, when we look at the book of Acts, we also see just that huge transformation in the disciples when they did wait in Acts chapter 1 and 2 and on. When they did wait, the Holy Spirit did come. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they were totally different people. They went out in the street and miracles started to happen and they were uh, speaking in other tongues and they were preaching, getting thousands of people saved. and, And before that, they were hiding in this upper room, you know, afraid to, with the door locked, you know. So, I mean, we see the the complete transformation that happens to them. And I, I, again, I'm just trying to preface a lot of things before we actually look at the gifts tonight. And one of the things is, there's sort of a, I don't know why we even discuss these kinds of things, but people talk about, you know, well, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit are for out in the street. That's absolutely true. We need the gifts of the Spirit working out there. I think, you know, we were talking about some things last week and Annie brought that up, that so glad that the power of the Holy Spirit is there so that you can can go and for somebody, rather than just having to have some kind of philosophical argument with somebody about who Jesus is or whatever, whether, you know, instead of having, not that we shouldn't know those things, but I just, I don't have nearly as much confidence in, apologetics, in in knowing, you know, being able to build a logical argument for somebody and talk them into believing in Jesus, as I do in telling people about Jesus and sharing what he's done in our lives and who he is and what the scripture says. But when you get to pray for that person and they get healed, they know something happened. You know, when you, when the Lord gives you a word for them of encouragement, but it's something that nobody could possibly have known, but that God told you about it and you said it to them and they go away from that. They had an experience that confirmed the words that you said to them. And I remember those days in you know in my life that when we first um got involved with the church where the gifts of the Spirit were in evidence and these things were happening and and we saw people and of course we still do. We see people get their bodies healed. We see these different things happen. It just confirms that you know that yeah J- Jesus is who he says he is and he's alive, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. So yeah, the gifts of the Spirit, we do need them flowing out there. But we do also need them flowing in here. And I don't know why we try to put that on a scale and decide, well, do we need them more inside the church? Do we need them more outside? We just need them in both places, you know. We just need Jesus intended for us to actually have the life and the power of God at work inside of us, but also Uh, flowing out to others. So so having this information, because I'm going to give you, I don't want to get bogged down in information. And being a teacher, I tend to do that, I think. But I don't want us to get bogged down in information. But at the same time, having scriptural information about who the Holy Spirit is, how he moves, what he does, what he's like, what things we have laid out in the scripture, it's important for us. It keeps us really safe as we're trying to navigate that whole thing of going out the door and saying, okay, Lord, if you want to use me in one of these gifts tomorrow at work, if you want to give me a word for somebody, if you want me to lay hands on a sick person, if you want that, I, I want to know how does the Holy Spirit do that? And how does that flow? And how does that work? Because I do want to know that that whatever I'm doing, that it, you know, it is in, it is him. It is in the flow of the, the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So, so we are going to go through some, some information. But, so the place I want to start tonight is um, just talking about this fact that, you know, again, within the, within the scope of Christianity, you have these different opinions about the Holy Spirit. But it is absolutely clear. There's this pattern all through the New Testament and it never changes And that is that people receive Jesus. They get born again. They are, the Bible says, born of the Spirit. Okay? Secondly, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not baptized in water. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. People get baptized in water too, but that's after the new birth. But they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Saturated, we talked about what that means. It means to be saturated with something. Saturated with water, When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're saturated with the Holy Spirit. It means to be saturated in something. So they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, or sometimes it says filled with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Okay, that happens after they're born again. Then they have that experience. And then something happens every time. Something that you can see or something that you can hear. There is some outward manifestation of the Spirit of God. Upon them or through them or in their lives. And so we're going to look at some of those verses tonight. There's a lot of, actually, a lot of um, good information in these, and I'm not sure how much time we'll spend in this, but I just at least want you to have these verses. You can just write them down, you can look at them. Later we're going to go through them but I, I just think this is an important pattern for us to know. probably more so. I mean you're probably never going to have somebody that doesn't know the Lord ask you this question <laughs> but but you will have other Christians ask you this question. you know well why why do you think that you know some people say, well I think I got all of the Holy Spirit, that there is when I was born again. Well, you did get all of the person of the Holy Spirit, but there's another aspect of his ministry. And we looked at those verses already. It's clear, there's no question, that there's this second experience that we can have with the Holy Spirit, that Jesus called the baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's just go through these. I've got about five passages here for you. The first one is in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and and we've looked at these, you know these verses, uh, many of you, the Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this is when the disciples were hiding in that upper room and and praying and waiting for what Jesus had promised for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And and so it it says, "...when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting." They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. All of them were, in this case it says, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So a couple of things. Jesus said in a few days from now, back in Acts chapter 1, he said in a few days from now you will be, you will receive power, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay. Now, the scripture tells it uses this other terminology. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. For the most part, those two terms can be somewhat interchangeable, and we use them interchangeably. The only other thing is that there are places that you'll see uh, in the New Testament where after people, these same people, are filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit and they begin to move in the Holy Spirit. Then there are times later where it'll, at a specific time, it'll say they were all filled and they spoke boldly or they were all filled. So there's this other terminology that's used sometimes where they've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the the Greek term means to, to fill to overflowing till it's just running over. And sometimes when we're up against something, we're praying over something, Spirit of God will just come on you and just refresh, refill, cram you full to overflowing again and give you whatever it is you need in that particular situation. But it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so these people we know, let me back up. These people we know, these are the disciples. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it said they received, Jesus said, received the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. And I believe that's where they were born again. So then those same people, days later, weeks later, we see being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then we see in this case, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, and I don't want to get off on this. So, but tongues, because we'll talk about this when we talk about the gifts, and we talk about tongues, we talk about interpretation, we talk about all that. But... Um, I think this issue about tongues is one of the things that for whatever reason the church and again Christianity as a whole has been real divided over and there really isn't any reason for it. And we will take the time because I think it's actually one of the most common uh, gifts that we see particularly in the sense of you having a personal prayer language in other tongues. That is just such a wonderful valuable thing and we'll talk all through that Uh, on another night but it says here they began to speak as the spirit enabled and one of because people will people get so freaked out about the idea of tongues or any of the gifts because they have this perception that what's going to happen if I allow any of this to go on it's like I'm going to go into some kind of trance and you know stand there and God's going to squeeze this language out of me it isn't ever like that. God never takes control like that and forces you to do anything. It's just not his personality. It's not his nature. He gives you, I think the King James Version uses the word unction. I kind of like that. He, here it says, uh, the Spirit enabled them. He gives you, there's a sense that comes up on the inside of you of something that needs to pour out. And, and in this case, it was in other tongues. But they spoke, the Spirit enabled Okay, so they yielded their will to what the Holy Spirit was doing. So they were born again, they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. And we know they went out into the streets and were praising God in other languages that they didn't know, which is what tongues is, it's, it's a language that the speaker doesn't know and, and there were people all over in Jerusalem from all these places. And they a lot of them heard them speaking in their natural language from somewhere else in the earth. And they heard them praising God. That's what they were doing. Praising and glorifying God. So we see that pattern in these verses. Does that make sense? Just say yes. Uh, so then over in Acts chapter 8 is the next one. All right, and this is a, begins in verse 12. This is a situation where Philip, who was one of the disciples, he went to Samaria, and he started to, to talk to people about Jesus. And a bunch of people got saved. They got born again. And in verse 12, it says, when they believed, uh, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. That means baptized in water, both men and women. Okay, so they got born again. Step one. All right, they gave their life to Jesus. They believed the word and they were born again and they demonstrated that outwardly through water baptism. Okay, and then in verse 14, that same chapter, it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. So you see that terminology, come upon. We said the Holy Spirit comes into us when we get born again. For us, he starts to work in us. When he comes upon us at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's for somebody else. It's for ministry. It's to empower us, empower us for ministry. So the Holy Spirit did not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very clear there. They were born again, hadn't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. So in this case, the Holy Spirit didn't just fall on the house. Okay, They prayed for them. Peter and John placed their hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Then there's this guy, Simon, that's around there. My impression is he was not a believer by what he does here. But anyway, he was there. He witnessed all of this. It says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given... At the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So here's this guy. He saw something. We don't know what he saw. We don't know if they started speaking in other tongues and prophesying, which a lot of other people did. We don't know if they fell out in the Spirit. We don't know what happened. doesn't say, but there was something that could be seen when the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's always something that you can hear or something you can see. And this guy, because if all, of it, all it was was that Simon saw the apostles put their hands on people and nothing happened, he wouldn't offer them money to be able to put his hand on somebody, right? I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. He offered them money. There was something he saw he wanted to buy the ability to do it. So again, we see these people get born again. We see them get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we see that something visible took place there. Some outward manifestation or expression took place when the Holy Spirit came upon him. So it's the same pattern. We see it over and over and over. Acts chapter 10 is another one. Verses 44 through uh, 48. Okay, And this is when, and we won't, well we may read it. Anyway, this is when God sent Peter to the house of a Gentile, Cornelius, who had been praying. it was a guy who loved God and he was praying. And God sent Peter, told him, I want you to go to this house. I want you to pray for these people. And, um, and so Peter did that. So, so at this point in history, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Jews and then on Samaria, but they're related. It, he hadn't been poured out yet on any Gentiles. He was available because Jesus had gone to the cross. And Jesus had already told these guys, you're going to go into all the world, right? And preach the gospel. But in their heads, I think they were still thinking all the all the world meant all the Jews, you know, because that was the, you know, that was the mindset through the whole Old Testament. They were the covenant people. And so Peter goes into the house of this Gentile, which, you know, he wasn't under the law. He wasn't even supposed to do. But It says, uh, and he starts talking to him about Jesus. And in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So I think this is interesting. There are only two places in the Bible where the Holy Spirit just fell on people without somebody praying for them or them praying and asking or something like that. First one was in the upper room when he came on the Jews for the first time. And the second one was right here when he came on the Gentiles for the first time. And I think the reason is because those guys never would have prayed for these people to receive the Holy Spirit because they were Gentiles. You know, I don't think it would have entered their mind. I don't think they were mean. I think that it just never would have entered their mind. And, and it says uh, the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, Peter and his group, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. You know, thank God. For they heard them speaking in in tongues and praising God. So again, there was something that could be, they got born again, they heard the message, they believed, the Holy Spirit came on them, they started speaking in tongues and praising God. Okay, And then Peter says, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? So again, we see that that's a separate being baptized in water is something we do after we get born again, and it's like a it's like a wedding ceremony or something. It's something has already happened in your heart, and then you give this outward expression to it that makes it public. It makes it accountable. You go down, you identify yourself through the de- with the death burial and resurrection of Jesus through water baptism. But in this case, these guys, you know, they believed the word, so they were born again. The Holy Spirit came on them, and then it's like, well, I guess we better baptize them. You know, we better baptize them in water because uh, obviously the Holy Spirit is accepting them, so I guess we should too. So uh, he ordered that that be done, and, and they baptized him. But again, same exact pattern. I'll give you just one more. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. I think these are just a handy set of scriptures to keep around. Again, probably more for discussions with believers. And I can't imagine why somebody that doesn't know the Lord would even ask these questions. But um, a lot of your brothers and sisters will. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. So in this situation, Paul is out ministering. He goes uh, through the the interior of the country and and, uh, goes to Ephesus. And it says, there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. A lot of us grew up in those situations. Uh, So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And they said John's baptism, which was just a baptism of repentance. And that's what Paul tells them. That was a baptism of repentance. And you were supposed to look for, he told the people to believe, John told the people to believe in the one that was coming after him, in Jesus. Okay, so Paul explains the gospel to them. So on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So again, they got born again. And they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So again, the same pattern. Okay, It's just all through the New Testament. This is the pattern. This is normal Christianity. This is not Weirdness. This is not, you know, a a strange doctrine that only a part of the church should believe. This is just New Testament Christianity. Is giving your life to Jesus, asking and receiving, or being prayed for and receiving that baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then learning how to let Him not only work in you, but flow through you. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So, the gifts of the Spirit, what they are, all right, as we get to them next week, are supernatural manifestations of God's presence and power. There are nine of them mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so they're manifestations of God's presence and power that are given at a specific time to accomplish a specific person. Pur- purpose, sorry. Given at a specific time to accomplish a specific purpose. All right, these, these various manifestations that we're going to see, um, are, are, they come and they flow and they meet some kind of a need. It's a, it's a manifestation of the life and power of God that flows through us to other people. And it's always there to accomplish a specific purpose. And so we always say this that the gifts of spirit they're given they aren't given to us they're given through us to somebody else they're called gifts and they are gifts but they come through us to someone they empower you to minister to someone all right and the reason that's important is because when we start looking at those gifts they are not what I just use the terminology they are not resident gifts so in other words uh, you might be in a situation sometime where somebody's sick and you know you can always go just pray for that person. But the Spirit of God might come on you and move in what the Bible calls gifts of healings. It might be a specific, powerful move of God to bring healing to someone. And and if that happens, that's great. But what happens is that gift comes, it flows through you, the Lord heals that person, and then and then that's, that's it. That doesn't mean people go around and they say things like, I have the gift of healing. Well, no you don't. You ha- what you have is the Holy Spirit. He has all the gifts. You have the Holy Spirit. He can use you in any of those nine gifts at any time. And I just think it's bad terminology. I just think it's something we should stay away from. It's always a problem when we start to allow our identity to get caught up in our gifts or a gift that, like this that works from time to time. You know, I tend to move in words of wisdom, words of knowledge. That just seems to be the way God uses me uh, if it's going to be one of the spiritual gifts. And so um, when, when that happens, I, but I don't, I don't want to create my identity in that. My identity is I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. But when it's the same thing, honestly, with being called to an office, I'm a pastor. It's something that I do. It's something God has called me to do. It's something he graces me to do. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, It's not natural to me, but it is not my primary. It's That's not my identity. And as soon as we start to take a gift or take a title and make it our identity, then we start to move over into a real works mentality. I I would start to think that I have to present myself, you know, in some, whatever that, you know, whatever that weird picture of what a pastor is supposed to be is, you know, and, uh, you know, you th- think you start to have to present yourself that way. You have to start to present yourself a certain way when you start to think that one of these things is your identity. It's not your identity. Your identity is you're a child of God. You possess the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in the gifts from time to time. And actually, we're going to see that um, very clearly from the scripture, that the gifts come and go. That's the way these gifts work. They don't rest on a person they don't live in a person they live in them in the person of the holy spirit but uh they they come and they go okay um another thing is just that the moving of you know moving in the gifts of the spirit it's not necessarily a sign of christian maturity you know uh, you can be in fact the church where we see the very most of this discussed the corinthian church Paul, the whole letter of 1 Corinthians is written to correct the church. It's not harsh, but it's written to bring instruction and correction. He corrects them about marriage. He corrects them about communion. He corrects them about the way the gifts are flown in their service. He, he, he brings all this instruction to them to straighten out some things that are going on in the church. They were not uh, a, a real mature people. And yet there were so many gifts flowing in that church that it was getting kind of out of hand and that's why we have some of the sort of restrictive scriptures that we see in those chapters of 12 13 and 14 is because he's trying to bring things back into order but so we know that they were actually probably one of the less mature churches that was out there and they were flowing in the gifts like crazy so it, the gifts you 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 know you having a one of these gifts or some of these gifts flow through you. It's not a sign of maturity. It's also not a sign of immaturity. It's it's neither of those. It's just a sign that you're yielded to the Holy Spirit and you allow him to move through you. You know, the Bible also talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is Christian maturity. It's the nature of God being birthed in us and changing us on the inside. And I don't know that we'll have time in this um, series of Tuesday nights to even get to the fruit of the spirit. But uh, but anyway, I just want to bring that out because sometimes, because we tend to, we so, see somebody move in the gifts or we see uh, supernatural things happen and we tend to, because we're, I don't know, we're just an entertainment bent culture. And so we uh, sometimes we do that. We think this is for our entertainment, you know, when we come in here, it's not for our entertainment. It's to minister to people. It's to impact people, to change their lives. And we'll put people up on a pedestal in our own minds or as a as a group, because oh wow, you know it's we shouldn't do that I mean the only one we should be exalting is is Jesus Christ. does that make sense to you so it's not you know it it's just that's just not what they are there for okay um, and then in in first uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen verse one, there's a really important statement first corinthians 14, 1. it says Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love. So again, we're not following gifts, but we are desiring gifts. It says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. The Amplified Bible there says eagerly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts. But we're following God is love he releases his power through gifts, but he is love. So we're following him. And we, and we know from 1 Corinthians 13 that if we're, we can be moving in all the gifts in the world. And if our heart is not fixed in love, it says you're, you're just a, what is it, a clanging gong or a sounding cymbal. I mean, you're just making a bunch of noise. It's, it's not good in, in God's ear. So we follow love, but we are supposed to desire spiritual gifts. We're not supposed to ignore them. We're not supposed to put them aside. We're not supposed to pretend they're not there. We're actually supposed to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And again, it's not for us. It's not to build us up. It's so that the, the kingdom of God can be released in reality in people's lives. It's so that people can be impacted in the way they were when Jesus was walking on the earth. That's, you know, that's what this is all about. But I like that, I like the way the Amplified puts that, eagerly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts because to me that speaks of process. Cultivation is a process. You know, there's there's soil dug up, there's seed planted, there's watering, there's all this stuff that happens. And that really, that's... That's how this works. We, we want to we pursue relationship with the Spirit of God. We want to pursue relationship with him. We want to know him. That's, that's where our focus is. But as we gather together or as we go out there and we go to work, we want to anticipate and expect that God is going to move toward people. And at times he's going to use us to do it. And we just want to, what I think we want to cultivate is that sensitivity to what he might say or what he might do. So when you're as busy as you can be and going through City Market and irritated at people parking their carts in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the aisle that you can't get by, when you're going, that never happens at City Market, that's Safeway. Sorry, Joel. Uh, So, yeah. When uh, this poor guy, every time I'm at the gas station, I hear, phone call for Joel, phone call for Joel, <laughs> and I pray for you. Um, anyway, when you're irritated and all that's going on, you're able to realize that the Spirit of God is saying, you know what, I want you to pray for that person. That person needs encouragement, you know, whatever it might be. I think that's what we need to cultivate, is that that sensitivity um, to all of that. Because the what the... Gifts do is they confirm the message of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what Paul said. We'll probably see it tonight. I think I have this verse on here somewhere. It's exactly what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He told them that the message that you've believed has been confirmed in you through these gifts working. And again, it just takes it out of the realm of just head knowledge about Jesus, or you know. Good doctrine, which again, we believe in good doctrine, but if that's all our experience with Jesus is, we're really missing something. I mean, we're really missing that living, breathing, uh, walking with Him and watching Him uh, work in people's lives thing. Okay. All right. Another one. Just another thought for you here. Trying to see how long I've been going. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. This is an important verse. There's actually two verses. I'm going to read verse 7 I'm going to read verse 11. We're just going to kind of put them together. Verse 7 says, Now to each one, and that again that term each one, this is the New International Version, but that term, it means every believer, every person, every believer. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There are actually three important ideas in that verse. Let me read verse 11 to you though. All of, uh, all of these, all these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit and he gives them to each one or each person just as he determines. Just as he determines. Okay. So one of the important points there is the gifts of the Spirit flow as he wills, not as we will. It's just as he determines. We don't get to go in and decide. Oh, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have three prophecies at at work today or at church today, and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. I think I'll move in the working of miracles at noon. You know, we don't get to do that. We, our part, is to be just be open and be sensitive to him. All right. They move as he wills. I do think it's important, especially when we gather in a church service, that we come expecting. I think it's important that we come ready to be used and, and, and expecting, putting a draw on him, expecting him to do some things. We may see him and we may not. He's always doing stuff when we, when we get together. Okay. Um, so our part is to make ourselves open and available. He'll choose what to do, when to do it, where to do it. All right. So that's one thing. Um, it also tells us here, and, and we'll probably look more at this next week. This terminology in verse seven is so important. It says the manifestation of the spirit, talking about the gifts. The manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Okay, that word manifestation tells us a whole bunch about the way that the gifts work. It's it's a Greek word phaneros, p h a n e r o s, I think. Phaneros. And in the culture at the time, what that word meant was the appearance, the sudden, unexpected appearance of a ghost and disappearance of a ghost. Okay, So it was a spirit becoming visible and then invisible. That's what that word meant. So what that tells us about the gifts of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, as he moves through one of these gifts, he's making himself known, visible. Something is happening outwardly. But that, whatever that release of his life or his power or his words or whatever it is, what, what, whichever one of the gifts it is, it comes and then he's done. Again, it's not resident in the sense that that's my gift now. If that makes sense. It flash. It is a flashing forth of the Spirit, of the life and the presence of God. So there's no point in us getting all haughty about, you know, oh, I have the gift of healing, or I have the gift of this or that. Uh, it's, it just doesn't work that way. The manifestation, the flashing forth of the Spirit is given, and this is the other point, for the common good. And that phrase just means for the benefit of everybody in the room. The Holy Spirit never comes into the room to make people's lives miserable. He never comes into the room to damage people. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. And even if we were talking about sin and all of that kind of thing, the wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus Christ, and we do live in an age of grace. And that doesn't mean he won't correct us and convict us and that kind of thing. He do- definitely does that. But the gifts of the Spirit are for benefit. They are to benefit people. They are a good thing, is all I'm trying to say there. I'm not trying to make a huge theological statement, just that the gifts of the Spirit are a good thing. Why would we not want the gifts of the Spirit? Okay, so we never have to feel any pressure, you know, to perform. We don't have to try to make things happen. We don't have to do any of that. We just need to learn to be sensitive to the spirit of God and welcome whatever it is that He wants to do. He has the best idea for for every church service. He has the best idea for people you minister to. Okay, so let's see. I'll just give you one more passage, and then we'll quit for tonight. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1, Corinthians 1 5 through 5-7. This is actually a, a big passage. I probably won't give you all of it. I mean, there's a lot in it. It's not that long. Uh, Paul says, So that in everything, you, speaking of the church there in Corinth, you were exceedingly enriched in him. You were enriched in Christ. That word means you were you were made wealthy in spiritual things to the point where you have no lack. There's no lack of gifts. There's no lack of, he talks about their, their spiritual knowledge and that kind of thing. There's no lack of any of that. In all speech, empowered by the spiritual gifts, and in all knowledge with insight into faith, in this way, okay, in this way, all these gifts flowing in the Corinthian church, in this way, our testimony about Christ was confirmed and established in you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you eagerly await uh, Jesus coming. So it says that the, that the message, uh, the testimony about Christ, the word of God that came to them was confirmed and established. That, that word literally means it was authenticated, it was verified, it was proved to be true. So the message they believed of the gospel, Jesus is the Savior, he went to the cross for me, died for my sins, and I can give my life to him and and enter into a relationship with God. The word of God that they had received was confirmed in the fact that God manifested himself among them. That things were happening in their church. That the presence and the power of God was visibly seen as they would get together that confirmed the message and it, and it does that for all of us. And I guess that's one of the biggest issues for me here is that we understand that it is so important. And I think maybe more than ever these days because of the culture that we live in and, and, um, you know, there's, there's just, it's a more secular culture for sure. Most, you know, a lot of us, myself included, grew up without any real understanding. Maybe we had a religious understanding. We didn't have much understanding of a personal relationship with Christ. We didn't necessarily have any understanding that, that God still moved and, and actually did things in the earth the way that He always has. Uh, we, a lot of us didn't grow up with any of that. And so I think there are a lot of people who accept Christ based on. Um, Doctrine alone, and I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. I'm just saying I believe that misses so much of the experience that Jesus wanted us to have. So much of the personal walking and talking and teaching and uh, of the Holy Spirit to us and in us. And the, the change of heart where we actually, we're not just putting on some religious facade. We're actually changed on the inside and day by day, week by week, year by year, we become different people. Uh, and, and then also the way that God wants to use every single believer to minister to the world and to bring his love. And I've said this a lot of times, I don't think you can adequately, adequately express the love of God without the Spirit of God, without the power of God. I mean, Jesus loved people And he healed people. He loved people and he cast demons out of their kids. He loved people and he took leprosy off them. I mean, he he did a lot of things. He did a lot of teaching. He did a lot of instruction. He did all of that. But that love from him was active. It was, you know, there was something actually happening there. It wasn't just them learning a doctrine about love it was demonstrated through acts of power and I don't you know he hasn't changed so so I think it's so important that we understand this stuff but again even as we go through I mean I gave you a lot of information tonight we're going to go through information about what the gifts are next week but I don't want us to get bogged down there I want us to really be thinking about how how do what does this mean you know how do I carry this out into the world how do I learn you know, to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and, and carry this out into to my place. And a lot of that is just deciding to be yielded. A lot of it is just deciding to be yielded. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.